0: huh no, no. <laughs> <All right. clears throat> All right. All right, well, good morning, everyone. We're doing double duty this morning, and uh, for those of you who don't know, I just wanted to introduce you to my wife, if you haven't met her, so uh, this is Elise. We've never done something like this before. This is the first time in our marriage that we will be preaching together, so pray for us. Um, This is great, but... You know, the reason we're here this morning and the reason I wanted to include Elise is Greg, obviously, is not with us this morning. He's at a family trip. Uh, but when we were meeting as leaders a few weeks back, um, you know, with the elders' meeting, the elders had kind of were talking about the sermon series and what was coming up and what, what to expect. And Greg had a verse come through his mind um, that he'd asked me, Would I be willing to share on? And when I read it, I said, I want to include Elise. Because what we're going to be talking about today, as you can see, is as we worship. Teach us to pray. And how many of you know God is doing something in our midst right now, in our nation? Maybe the nation looks dark to you. I don't know what newscast you're watching every day, but if you're reading the good news, you guys know how this story ends, right? Jesus comes back. He wins. It's over. It's already been done. We're just waiting for the fulfillment of that. But while we're here, we have this great commission, this opportunity to spread the good news. Uh, But how many of you know prayer is important for God to fulfill His plans? And worship and prayer kind of go hand in hand together. And so I wanted to show you, um, there we go. I'll just make sure this thing's working good. Uh, so the verse that we're actually going to be reading is Second Chronicles 20. And let me just get my act together here and pull my notes up. Cool. So let's pray. Should we pray? We should pray. Lord, help. Help us. Um, Lord, we, we love you so much. Uh, we're honored to share your word this morning. And I just pray that you would, uh, accomplish what you have in store for Shiloh this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So the verse we're going to be reading, Second Chronicles, I'm gonna read it. It says, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. Or other translations, they fought each other. How many of you guys know when we worship? you can bring confusion to the enemy's camp. You know, I'm gonna try to turn my seat because I have my back to you guys over here. But worship accomplishes more than I think we realize. And what the statement here, something that stuck out to me as we read this, when we get our eyes on Jesus, he fights the battle. You know, how many of you know the story of Jesus when he asked, uh, was it Peter, to walk on the water? What happened when he took his eyes off Jesus? He forgot that he didn't know how to swim anymore. When we get our eyes on the storm and when we are focused on the things that are our battle, God, he can do what he wants to do, but how many of you know when you get your eyes on Jesus, he has full permission to partner with you in your life and fight your battle for you. And that's what we're really trying to pay attention to. Worship is about pushing distractions aside and not letting anything steal your gaze from your king. You know, it's a beautiful picture like in a wedding. I got married. Here's my wife. When my wife was walking down the aisle, I was not looking at anything else. I had my eyes on my bride. Jesus has his eyes on his bride at all times. And when when we partner as the bride of Christ and we lock eyes with the groom, it's a love story. That is what worship is. Do you have anything to add to that?
1: Yeah, I'm just going to add my two cents to these amazing verses. So yeah, what a seemingly foolish thing to do, to stop battling and worship and praise the Lord. Like, It just reminds me of David dancing before the Lord. Many of you know that story. David danced foolishly before the Lord, undignified. What is is that about worship that we can stop? And the Lord is asking us to look at him, stop what we're doing, and give praise and thanksgiving. There's a key in that in worship, and that's something we're going to talk about today is stopping and just getting our eyes on the Lord and just worshiping and seeing breakthrough from that place.
0: Yeah, and when we read this verse, this reminded you of 2 Corinthians. Why don't you read it? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity into to the obedience to Christ. So here Paul is talking about these mighty weapons we've been given. We've been given them as tools, as gifts. Um, and it's a spiritual reality. We can actually pull down strongholds. And a stronghold... Simply as something is like a wall it 's something that keeps you back, it keeps you stuck yeah um, and I'm, I bet many of you can think of those things that 's why we have ten days of prayer set up is there's strongholds in regions there's strongholds in our cities we can there 's specific things we 're not going to get into those right now, but God has is teaching us. He wants to teach us how to pull those things down as a church with these uh, mighty weapons of warfare.
0: No, it's true. And when I read it, I, I was reminded of Ephesians 1. It's kind of speaking the same language, but this is, this is what God wants us to understand as a community. Do you know who your God is? Like, have you ever had a big brother or somebody in your life who says, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who you're messing with? Like, when the enemy tries to come and steal from you, do they know who they're messing with? Do you know who your God is? And that's what we all want. We want to be able to stand in these battles. When that army began to worship, when, by the way, outnumbered significantly, three armies to one, odds are not in their favor. You now, what, what situation in our life is an odds are not in your favor situation? Maybe the doctor says, nothing we can do. When does God become God in our lives, right? This is a moment where in the battle, the army began to worship God And it dispelled intimidation, it dispelled fear, it dispelled anxiety. And then all of a sudden the army starts fighting themselves. This is what we're trying to accomplish. So in Ephesians 1, 19, it says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power, or leader, and in case you were wondering, or anything else. Not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under, listen to this, all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for what? What? There's benefits for Jesus. He's done so much for the benefit of a victorious church. Why? Because it's his Bride, a father's opportunity to present his son his bride. We are the great inheritance of Jesus. We are Jesus's reward. So when we begin to sing to him, many of you have read Song of Solomon, you can get a glimpse. Yes, that's husband and wife, but it's also bride and God, bride and groom, Jesus and the church. You know, this is what happens when we fix our eyes on Jesus. When we worship, we begin to see God for who he is. And we begin to pray from that place. You know, a lot of you know that we're on a journey right now in worship. You know, some of you have noticed worship's gotten a little longer. That's not the young, new worship leader's idea. We're really praying as, as a community, like, what is God wanting to make room for? What is happening in our community? And when you begin to press into God, you know, you guys ever fallen in love before? Who's fallen in love? You're supposed to raise your hand if you're married. You remember going on those first couple of dates? I don't know if this was your case, but it was for mine. Uh, One o'clock, two o'clock came pretty quickly because you lost track of time. And the same is with Jesus in worship. If we're focused on the time and we're singing to him, like imagine going on a date with your spouse and I'm checking my watch wondering when it's gonna be over. It's not not good. It's not good. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, In fact, when we get lost in Jesus, we don't want it to stop. Uh, now, I'm not. don't worry. Worship's not going to go an hour and 40 minutes here, maybe, unless God does it. But I'm not going to do it unless he does it. But the idea is, do you get lost in Jesus when you worship? And that's what we want. So moving on here. There's a lot to handle, but my hands are full here. Here we go. So, Elise, you were kind of reminded of worshiping in spirit and in truth. And this is the verse that God gave you, so... You get to read Yeah, it.
1: this is kind of a famous verse that's pulled out a lot um, when, when talking about worship. We're not going to go into the whole passage today, but it comes from the story of the woman at the well. Um, this woman meets Jesus, and he just reads her mail and just knows her, but she, he teaches her something very specific about worship here. So John 4, to 24 says, But the time is coming, indeed is now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Yeah, so when we read spirit and truth here, to me this says agreement with who He is. Um, there's something about uh, just just coming out of our own understanding of just our emotions, our own circumstances going on, there is power with just saying, you know, I'm going to put that aside right now, and I'm going to agree with who God is yeah. in worship. I'm going to just let those things go. And there's something that he's saying, this is the type of worship I'm looking for, those who can worship me in spirit and in truth of who he is. Yeah. Um, and this is where we find the most breakthrough as worshipers, as worship leaders. Um, and there's a song I just wanted to just speak really quick, at just one line. It's just stayed with me forever because it reminds me of this verse, and it's very simple. It says, sometimes you got to sing your way into the truth. Sometimes you got to sing your way into the truth. And how real is that? Like, so many times we come into worship, and there's so much going on here. There's so much going on here. And there's just so much traffic. And, you know, you might hear a lot of worship songs being repeated. The chorus is being repeated again and again. That's not just because we want to do that. That's actually an opportunity to come out of our own stuff, and agree with God's truth yeah. and meet Him there where He is. So often we can have just such a low view of God in yeah. our circumstances, and we need to come up to where He is. And this verse is really speaking that. Come up to where I am. Worship me in spirit and in truth and find that breakthrough there.
0: Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. You know, the truth is, has God ever given you guys a verse to get through a season? Like a Bible verse. Like you get a word, and you just... You just keep repeating it. The same thing is with a song. You know, God will give you a song of victory. And that's what, that's what happened to the, to the army when, the, when that, that battle was about to take place. They were given a song of victory to declare over their situation. So, yeah, singing scripture. Singing in spirit and in truth also is like, are you singing scripture? And do you pay attention to the words that you're singing? Um, a lot of songs, you know, I, I'm unfortunately not very well churched as a, as a young man, um, so I didn't get to learn all the amazing older songs, older hymns. I am learning hymns like every day right now, trying to learn, because there was a depth and a richness to the lyrics of, of hymns and songs. And I'm not saying that the songs we have today aren't great, but sometimes we lose the depth of Bible, and we start to just create a catchy song. Um, and worship is not about a catchy song, it's about truth and singing his word, Um so just to give you an example, let's look at a song that we all know. You guys know what a beautiful name. Let's look at these lyrics. So you have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. We love this part of the song. This is kind of like the famous bridge uh, that just you just know it gets the people going. Um, but why, why does a song get people to respond more? Is it because it's good? Is it because the band is really talented or the drums just hit the right way? Or is there something about the spirit of God on his word? When you begin to declare who God is in truth, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. I want you to picture it like when, when gasoline fills a room or a propane or a gas leak fills a room, how many of you know you need to evacuate? Why? Because the atmosphere is ignite ability. It has an ignite ability to immediately burst into flames. When you fill a room with praise, his presence fills it. It's like gasoline in a room and he's the flame. And that's what happens. And when you sing his word, he loves it because it's his word and he is the word. You're singing about him. It's like a love song written to him, about him, for him, by him. This is all about Jesus. And when the bride falls in love with their groom and sings their song to him, that's what it's all about. You have no rival. There's no one that's going to compete with him. There's no one that can compete with him. You have no equal. There's no one equal to God. Now and forever, God, you reign. You can trust him now and forever. You guys getting the point here? Where when we sing songs, I want you to pay attention to the lyrics and, and especially what you're listening to day to day. Now, I'm not a person that necessarily listens to a bunch of other music. I'm not listening to other music other than worship. I'm not saying other music's not okay. I do listen to rap. I listen to Christian rap. I listen to Christian rock. But I'm not listening to anything secular that doesn't point me to Jesus. Reason being, what you sing, you meditate on. Now, I'm not talking about legalism and you can't do this and you can't do that. But what are you singing over your life? You ever thought? Oh, my mic. What happened? Is my mic not working? Is it? Hello? All right, I'll use this. Can you hear me now? Sorry about that. Um, so, where was I? What you sing is what you make you, Ed. Um, so... When you begin to meditate on the things that you sing, they're in your mind all day. And you just gotta pay attention. What are you putting in your mind? What are you putting in your spirit? What are you watching? What are you dedicating your devotion to? Because what you meditate on is what will bear fruit in your life. So that was, that was a little nugget. We'll move on here. Worship, all the things that we're trying to, to express here as we pivot into prayer, worship is warfare. Worship is, is a fight. It's actually accomplishing something and we wanna see God have his way. When we worship him in our lives, in our situations, um, you know, sometimes, you, like Elise said, you've got to sing your way into truth. Um, and it, it's a sword, it's a sword where you pick up. Is there anything you would add? Cool. Where I want to pivot here now is worship is a posture we begin to pray from. And Elise, this is a verse that you brought up. I'm going to hand you this mic and I'm going to try to figure this thing out. But Luke 11 is what came to your mind here. Why don't you read that?
1: It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, when, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So this is the beginning of just a beautiful model of prayer that Jesus has laid out for us. You know, we were looking through the Bible. There's actually there's so many places Jesus is teaching about prayer. Um, but here we just see such a clear invitation to prayer that prayer starts with worship. Father, hallowed be. A lot of translations say, holy, set apart is your name in heaven. Like that alone, we could just stay right there and be done. Like, Father, holy is your name. Again, that's what we were talking about. It's Really, worship is setting your eyes on Him, the Holy One who is on that throne. It's unchanging. It's unshakable. And when you get a hold of that place, that vision of who the Father is, you, then you can pray and approach Him with boldness. You yeah. approach the Father definitely when you know Him, when you see Him rightly. We approach Him with boldness. And I think that is just a key to enjoying prayer, but also being effective at prayer. We see who He is and what He can do and what He wants to do.
0: It's good. Yeah. And I, I just want to point out, Um, I've heard this taught, I looked into it a little bit. If it's not right, please let me know after. Um, But I believe this is one of the first times that Jesus referred to the disciples, to let them know that they could refer to their God as father. It was the invitation to, all right, you wanna learn how to pray? First, start by knowing that he's your dad. And that posture, if you begin, I'm not gonna get into the detail here, um, but if you begin to look at this verse and realize that it's a step-by-step process of how to pray, first, acknowledge that he's your father. And when you know he's your father, you know that he's good. Then let's talk about how holy he is before we start asking for things. Because he's a reverent God. He's a holy God. And then let's talk about his will, not our own. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then provision. God, give me the food you promised. How many of you know you don't really need to pray too much about the things he promised? But what you do is when you repeat his promises back to him. How many of you have a son or a daughter that reminds you, Hey, Dad, you said... You guys remember, you said we were gonna get ice cream after dinner, I remember, this is what it is when you remind God of what he said to you, it, it pulls on his father's heart and it's just a good thing to do. So moving on into that, now I have three hands going. Um, the goal of prayer is connection with the father first. You know, if we go into prayer with just a laundry list or a to-do list, it's, it's, not, it's not that God's not pleased with that, but it's really an opportunity to connect with him. It's a conversation. You know, I, I'm just an example. My wife gets to stay home with our daughters and gets to take care of the, whole, the household. She works way harder than I ever will in my entire life as a stay-at-home mom. So if you're a stay-at-home mom, I applaud you because I've stayed at home with my kids for a couple hours at a time and it is not easy. Um, I'm so thankful when my wife gets home. But if I were to just get home and just tell my wife, hey, I need you to go do this. It's just such a strange relationship dynamic. You wouldn't just walk into a house and say, hey, do this. If you do, there's an altar. We're gonna come to it. (laughs) But the same thing with the Father is, God, I love you. Just sit there for a minute and just let him love over you. Sometimes we talk so much in prayer that we don't let him talk to us. And it's always an invitation to us. And I believe that God is inviting us into this relationship. Now, here's the thing. God takes prayer very seriously. So much so, he decided to flip tables about it. You guys know the story in Matthew 21. At least I'm gonna let you read it. Go ahead. Let me put it up there. Yeah.
1: Matthew 21:12 through 13 says, Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all those who were selling and buying on the temple grounds. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Yikes.
0: Yeah. Well, the zeal.
1: Zeal. We really see the zeal that the Lord has for his house in this picture. Yeah, there's something about Jesus just coming in and he he just sets his house in order here. He's just saying, this is the main priority of my house, to be a house of prayer. And he's driving out everything else that displeases him. It's an intense moment, but we cannot forget this moment that he's calling his house a house of prayer.
0: The reason we can't forget it, you guys love this verse, we quote it sometimes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means the zeal that consumed Jesus in this moment in the temple is how he sees his temple today. How many of you know we're the temple of God now, right? The temple, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. He flips tables when things get wrong in our temples. He is zealous to consume his house completely. And for some reason, when he puts a house back in order, he pushes the house back to its foundation, which he is saying here is what? prayer. Why is prayer the thing that causes Jesus to flip tables? Why is that so important that he would flip tables and act seemingly? You guys know this was calculated. This wasn't a burst of outrage. It says he actually formed the whip. So as we just picture Jesus sitting there building a whip, he's thought this through. He's not just responding emotionally. He knows exactly what he's doing. And this is what God wants us to know. This is not a condemning line. He wants us to be a house of prayer. Mm -hmm. Why? Because when he knows when his church gets a hold of prayer and gets a hold of relationship and the ability to commune with God and God to be able to commune back with her, something really amazing happens when we're in one fellowship with each other. Amen? All right. Anything to add before we move on? Well, I want to pivot because... I want to actually let you guys hear a little bit of, uh, we're going to share a couple stories today, but just quickly touch on how God will give you a burden. Uh, So, Elise, why don't you share a little bit of what this looks like in your life?
1: Yeah, so just kind of go quickly through this. So many of you know about, um, for several, I think actually eight years, in the basement of Shiloh, um, Shiloh hosted Symphony House of Prayer, which was an amazing just prayer ministry um, that I got to be a part of from the beginning. I was just so blessed to um, just come under these amazing spiritual mothers and mentors in my life and just learn how to pray. And the reason, the way that I found them is I was actually looking for people to pray with in the city for Manchester. Um, as a, a 20-something-year-old, old i just graduated college, and I actually gave my life to the Lord. It was my sophomore year in my dorm room. and um, But after I graduated college, I felt so burning for my campus that I had to do something about it. It wasn't okay to just move on. Um, and that's, that's something that I wanted to talk about too. If there's certain topics or things that are easier, easier for you to pray for than others, pay attention, pay attention to those things. Um, for me, it was college students. It was college campuses. And I just felt like I couldn't let go of it. I wanted to see change in my campus. I wanted to see students set free from depression because that's what he did with me. And um, I didn't know what to do about it. I was like, God, where are the people to pray with? Like, what do I do on campuses? Should I go to campus? And he sent me to the school of prayer. <laughs> and it was through Symphony House of Prayer I got to just learn from some amazing mentors there. And we just prayed every Thursday morning for the city and just gained more of a heart for the city and how to pray. Um, and yeah, so I did that for about several years. And many of you might be able to testify this to this too. The more you pray for something, you might see God actually send you to be the answer to that prayer. And that's what God did with me. He actually started opening up doors on college campuses. And that's what I wanted to do right off the bat. But he didn't let me go yet. He taught me how to pray first. And then he sent me. Um, So several years later, I just started getting invited to campuses. Um, It was through um, a ministry called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Shiloh's also partnered with. And um, I just got to teach um, students how to pray. I got to teach them how to worship. I got to disciple them. And that was the main thing the Lord was saying. Now it's time to go and disciple them. It's time to go and help them start Bible studies on their campuses. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just started to begin to see this pattern. God was teaching me intercession. It wasn't just prayer. It was seeing something through to the end. And, and intercession was a way to complete that prayer in partnership with Him, and so it was just an amazing time to yeah. partner with God in that way.
0: So, you know, how many want to find purpose in their life? That's you know, kind of a rhetorical question, because everyone wants a purpose. If you had no purpose, what's the point? Um, you know, and some of you have heard my testimony. I shared a couple months back, but you know, when I met Jesus, it was on the t- the coattails of a suicide attempt. I lived my whole life, like, my life's not worthy. It's, it's no purpose. And what blew me away is when I encountered the love of God, the first thing he flooded my heart with was purpose. He said, I actually have a calling for you. I have a purpose for you. And every church I went to, I couldn't get away from the preacher because they always had a prophetic word for me. It was always the same word. It didn't make any sense because it had nothing to do with anything I was doing currently. But God said, I have a calling in your life. So purpose is, is, is vital as a Christian to be able to wake up. Now, our purpose, yes, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and to love your neighbor as you love yourself but there's purpose and callings and and things that we can do unto the Lord with him that he's wired you uniquely for. And a lot of times God will give you that through prayer. You know, and Elise, I wanted you to share that Reese Howells quote um, just to kind of get a picture because as Elise was praying, obviously that burden became uh, her life. It became something that was all she was doing was praying, praying, praying. For those of you who don't know the backstory, Elise actually dedicated her whole life to prayer. She was a missionary. She had some part-time jobs here and there, but she was fully supported by people in the local church to just dedicate her life to prayer. You need a burden to do that because if you just if I told you, "Hey, we're going to go pray for 7 hours this week come." Who would come? It's okay. Not many. You might come for the first hour, it'd be really good, but I'm going to promise you in the second week it's going to cut in half, the third week it'll cut in half again because prayer can be burdensome but when you begin to realize the relationship side of prayer it becomes a privilege and so let's look at this quote together here Why don't you read it it's your yeah. favorite
1: so this is just for context from the book intercessor but uh reese howe's intercessor it's one of my favorite books on prayer and intercession if you're interested in learning more about it I highly recommend it it'll probably mess up your life for good in a good way in a good way but Maybe. he makes a differentiation here between prayer warriors and intercessors, which is a really cool take. He says, Prayer warriors may pray with great intensity, yet walk away before the job is done. Intercessors take up responsibility to see things through, regardless of how long it takes.
0: Yeah. And the truth is we're all called to be intercessors. Jesus is the great intercessor. It says he's making intercession for us right now in heaven. And So when you're partnering with Jesus in intercession, it's a powerful thing. But I just want to encourage you. that For, for me, intercession and worship and prayer. You now, worship was always my thing. Prayer came because I was trying to date the prayer leader. And you just find yourself. Now, I came to the house of prayer looking for worship. That was why I came for the first time. And it was in the basement of this building. Met Elise in the parking lot. It was way too early. She didn't like me for four years. It was great. Um, another story. Another story for another time we don't have time to get into. But God changed her heart, and here I am. I win. Um, so... The point of that being, though, I began to become consumed with this idea of prayer and intercession. And I wanted to just say, everyone here has something to pray about. Sometimes prayer is just thrown on you because of circumstance. But I, want to, I just want to use this analogy. It is really bad to learn how to put a fire out when your house is on fire. It's really unfortunate to have to learn how to pray when you're desperate. Sometimes desperation will cause you to do things you never thought you can do, and that's great. But what God is really inviting us into is he wants to teach us how to pray so that when the hour comes, you don't have to call Pastor Ed. You can still um, until he changes his number or something. But the idea is, would you please pray for me, pray for me? How would you love to be able to say, like, your prayer could shake heaven? Like, if something comes on your steps or comes into your house and you're the one that prays, that is what God is trying to equip us all in. Now, we use the body of Christ, and we are able to share in our fellowship, in our burdens. We cast our cares on each other and Him, um, and we can lift each other's burdens in prayer. Uh, but God wants us to be independent in this, where we can still pray, but still stay in fellowship. And what I wanted to say is oftentimes the very burden that God will put in your heart, the thing that you're called to pray for, offends you first. Oh, if the church would just do this. Oh, the... pray. Yeah. Yeah. Pray. Pray. Oh, if that person, that person just needs an attitude adjustment. Sounds like you do. (laughs) I said you, I meant we. I have issues too. Um, But the truth is, hold on, mic cut out, there we go. The truth is, um, sometimes you got to pray through the offense first. God, give me your heart for this situation. It could be easy to be offended at your country. It could be very easy to be offended at your president. It could be very easy to be, I said president, yes. Uh, it could be easy to be offended at your school system, at your school board. But when you begin to pray, it can change things. All right, let's get out of the, the weeds here and we won't mention president again. That's okay. We're supposed to pray for your president, regardless of who you vote for. That is the word of God. And so sometimes you've got to pray through a lot of offense, And the reason I'm bringing this up is because the enemy used politics to divide the church like I've never seen during COVID, like never before. And it's okay, people to your left and right vote differently than you. Jesus Christ is Lord, he's coming back, and he's the king. So a president's not gonna solve our problems. It can make our lives easier, but the Bible says, pray for your leaders so that it may be well with you. So if you're upset with your country, If we're upset with our country, it's because we're not praying. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry, Ed. I'm sorry. Listen, this is in love. Because the truth is, when we begin to be the display of unity for the earth to see, we begin to shift nations. The government and the nations and the world will not go any better than the church does. We're used as a barometer as a thermostat for the nations. As the church goes, the the world will follow. Now, yes, we have an enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but if we don't get the ability to overcome our disagreements and divisions in the house of God, how can we ever expect the world to be in unity? And so I know this is a heavy topic, and I can feel the tension in the room, but it's important to talk about, and it's really important. And so what we're going to be leaning into in this moment is, can you pray as God asks you to pray? Are we willing to get past the offense that we have so that we can be used for God's glory? Amen? Amen? Is everyone okay? All right, we're moving on. Moving on. So this testimony of obedience is really what I wanted to focus on tonight as we, as we you know, round the corner and close. We're going to have to treetop this discussion a bit, but um, why don't you kind of start? So just to give context, Elise and I, uh, I'm going to share a little bit of it, and then you kind of fill in the blank. So, Elise and I, we bought our house back in, in 2021, and, uh 2020, and it was a really exciting time. We were loving life. We had two babies. We're starting our family, and why don't you share what happened to you?
1: Yeah, so, yeah, we're fast forward now. So, this testimony, just to kind of preface... This is a uh, like a te- this is a pattern that I saw the lord bringing bring me through with intercession and prayer. you know He taught me how to pray for campuses for those things, but now it gets personal now it gets down to family and some really hard things so yeah we 're in our first house in Manchester. we loved it. It had its own issues, but it was like an exciting time as our first house and um, you know we get, 're getting news that my dad. Um, he was 72 years old, started to, um, get his official diagnosis of dementia and it was regressing really quickly. Um, we were just hearing what was going on in the house between him and my mom. My mom's trying to navigate it. And, um, yeah, we just kind of have that news coming to us for like a couple months. And, um, I literally, I just was one day I was just in the bathroom and I heard the Lord just speak. What if you go and live with your parents and help out for a time? And I was like, okay, is that God? That sounds really hard. I don't know. And sure enough, I talked to Chris about it, and he only confirms it, which was surprising. Because <laughs> it was a very difficult thought at that time. It would be meaning selling your house and moving on. It was just a whole uprooting. And um, yeah, you thought it was time to move on too. Yeah,
0: I mean, so we, we, we hear the Lord say, would you move in with, with your father-in-law? and We were like, okay, sure, let's rent our house. This would be great. Let's hang on to what we got, and we'll just go move for a little bit. Lord's like, sell your house. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but when you work so hard, especially husbands in here, fathers and men, um, there's something about an instinct about being a provider and a a whatever. Whatever men feel like in their hearts, they just want to do everything they can to provide for their family. And it was it was hell living in this house. Everything broke. You ever seen the movie uh, Money Pit? We were the sequel. We lost everything, everything, just everything. And finally, we we stabilized, and God says, I want you to sell your house. So we put our house on the market. It was the hardest day. I remember filling the holes of the, the, I might cry. I I remember filling the holes in the wall where my daughter's things were hanging, and this was a death. You know, we, we were laying our life down for God's calling. We were selling the house that we fought to keep. And so this is a picture of us. We moved in. You know, and it just became so apparent that this was going to be a really hard season. It was very difficult. It was unhealthy. Jack really needed a lot of care. He wasn't getting good care. We were constantly in the middle of fires and putting out issues, and we were exhausted. We were in and out of Airbnbs every two or three weeks. We're reaching out to people in the church. Hey, does anyone have a place for us to sleep tonight? It's not good. Pack up two girls. Pack, pack, move, move. It was so difficult. And it really felt like we were losing hope. And for the sake of time, I want to kind of move here. We, we really reached the end of ourselves. We were done. We couldn't afford to buy a new house. The market went nuts. Rent was just absurd. And we were really losing faith. And then, scary, God speaks to Elise again, which at this moment, when, when Elise comes to me and says, God spoke to me, I'm actually getting terrified sometimes because <laughs> I don't know what we're selling or where we're going, but... So God speaks to you again. Why don't you just quickly touch on what happened? Yeah,
1: so at this point, you know, we're through almost a full year being there, and I'm just really at my end. I've lost faith to pray in a lot of ways. I had to really lean on his faith Um, just because I have been asking the Lord. We were also asking the Lord for my mom's salvation for a very long time and just wasn't seeing any breakthrough and for the season to change. Um, But one night, you know, I was laying in bed, and I get this clear verse just right through my mind um, and, but the Lord said it to me like this. He said, if you ask me for a bribe, will I give you a stone? And I was like, okay, I know that's somewhere in the Bible. Let me go look it up. So I read it in context on my phone and I'm like, okay, I feel greatly encouraged by this right now. Are you saying now is the time to ask again, God? And so I wake Chris up and I have him pray with me and we just pray very specifically this verse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah we won't read it, but just to reference it, Matthew 7, 9 and 11, yeah. um, but we asked for detail. And so this is the night before Lisa's birthday. So it's been about 10 or 11 months living in this really, really difficult season. God decides to wake Elise up or keep her up the night before her birthday. He says, ask. On Elise's birthday, God gives us an answer and says, there's a room available in Kingston, New Hampshire for Jack. <laughs> now, when, at this point when we were praying, we were told two to three year wait everywhere. So we're like, two to three years living like this? We can't do that. So it opens up 10 minutes down the road. It was a huge answer to prayer. And this is where I want to land here as we get ready to close here. This is the day that Jack moves into his home. Now, what's crazy is in this moment, we also got offered to live at a place. We got our own place. We we looked at it. We loved it. We got offered it. We filled out the application. But we had no idea what was going to happen with Jack. We were told, two to three year wait. Wait. We were just convinced, all right, we'll let Jack move in with us. We have a small bedroom upstairs. We'll make it work. We signed the lease by faith, not knowing what God was going to do. And we agreed to move in on August 26th. It was a, I believe it was a, whatever the, the last Saturday of August was. The Friday before we move into our place, Jack moves into his. And I want you to know that God hears your prayers. God can move in a moment when you just don't even think it's possible and this is my question to us. Steve, if you'd be willing there, he's, he's prophetic. He knows what's going on. Came up. Uh, if you knew God was going to answer your next prayer, what would you pray for? How would you pray? You know, there's a persistent widow in Luke 18 that Elise brought up when we were putting this together. It's really like persistence in prayer doesn't change God's mind, but it changes you. When you go back to again and again and you pray and you lift up that burden again to the Lord you're reminding yourself again in worship, God, you said who you said you are. I declare I know who you say you are. You said you would do this. That is prayer. It's a conversation. But then you can get deeper. Father, I'm hurting. I'm struggling. This is difficult. Would you give me grace to endure? Would you transform me? Would you renew me? Sometimes the reward for prayer isn't an answer prayer. But it's more of Jesus. So let me ask a question to us. Do you feel like when you ask for bread that God gave you a stone? You know, I wanted to just close with this thought. So I had a dream this weekend, this week in preparation. It was was a very difficult dream. Basically, basically I was a scuba diver searching for my daughter. And it was not a God dream because my daughter had passed away in the dream and I couldn't find her and it, it was this devastating dream. And I remember in the dream when I found Harper, I was crying a pain that I had never felt in my entire life. So much so it woke me up. I was up at five in the morning. I was sweating and I was still crying and I was deeply troubled. I came to staff the next day. I shared it with the prayer team, bawled my eyes out. I was like, I'm just burdened. We prayed, you know, God set me free, whatever he did. But I said, you know, I feel like for just a moment, I got to feel what it was like. To lose a child. And in the dream, I had no hope. I lost my child in the dream, and I had zero hope. And it was the most painful, excruciating thing I have ever felt in my life. And I just felt like the Lord gave me that dream to give me some level of compassion that there's people in this room that have lost children. There's people in this room that you've lost loved ones to cancer. You've prayed. God didn't move there's a hope and I want to invite us to the altar this morning if you've prayed and you've had a stone, appearingly it looks like a stone was given that is not true the word says that the God is good and if you ask him for bread he will not give you a stone I want to make an altar for two reasons the invitation is this and I'm so sorry we went late preaching with two people is, is very difficult There's a couple of things to get involved in. I want to encourage us as a community to learn to pray together in unity. If, if God was going to answer your prayer tomorrow how would you pray today and i just want to really lean into this as a community so we have pre-service prayer every sunday you're welcome to come 8 30 come and pray if you've never done this before just come and observe come and just agree in in secret in your heart 10 days of prayer is happening there's a church every location right now every day for the next eight days that you can link arms we're going to be here on the 22nd at 7 p.m i'd highly encourage you to just come and just pray. See what it looks like to pray as a community. And I wanted to announce Elise and I are going to be starting out a house of prayer here in November. On November 2nd, it's a midday prayer service, 12 to one thirty p.m. For now, we're going to see what happens with our availability later. But we want to really invest in the community. Like Elise said, we learned from incredible people. There's people in this room that have labored for years and years and years that we learned from. We want to share what we learned. But here's the call. If you prayed and something didn't happen and it changed your perspective on God, there's freedom for you today. God is the only hope. There is no other solution. And anything that wants to get in between you and your king is demonic. Anything that would get in between you and your spouse is not from God. So why would we ever let anything get in between us and our relationship with Jesus? I believe God wants to meet us today in a special way. Amen? So, Lord, let's pray. Listen, I shared a lot of things. We shared a lot of things. I just pray, God, whatever you needed to stick would stick. Holy Spirit, we just invite your ministry into the room. We just thank you that you're inviting Shiloh to grow in her prayer life. And there's so many things that you can do through that. And, Lord, anyone in this room that needs prayer, we just invite, uh, Lord, to your freedom this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you need prayer, we're going to have our prayer team come up. Please keep an atmosphere of of prayer as you go. Um, But yeah, we love you guys. We're so thankful that you're here. And uh, yeah, have a great rest of your week. Bye.